Welcome to GRE Snacks, snackable episodes about the GRE exam and graduate school admissions. I'm Tyler, the founder of Achievable, and we have an affordable GRE course that uses memory-based adaptive learning technology to get you better results in less time. You can check it out for free by going to achievable.me, and if you like it, be sure to use the code podcast to get 10% off. Now, let's get started. Today, we have Paul Bodine from Admitify with us. And Paul, uh, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and your company, that'd be great. Absolutely. We are an admissions consulting uh, company based in San Diego. We work with clients uh, around the world, uh, primarily for business school applications, but also for graduate school, medical school, and some college uh, applications. We are a, I would describe us as a boutique consultancy, about 10, 10 team members. Uh, and we emphasize the storytelling piece in uh, successful applications. We, we are a, we, we get to know the client very personally and uh, basically help with every piece of the uh, admissions puzzle. Um, and, and drawing heavily on our ability to help people tell stories effectively that are going to differentiate them. Right, exactly. And I feel like that is a nice lead into our topic today, right? <laughs> Which is, what are MBA admissions officers looking for in an application? And I, and I feel like, you know, you just touched on it a little bit, right? Part of it is they're looking for you to have a good story. But what does that mean? Yeah, I, I think the story is is sort of the vehicle to communicate why they should accept you. And uh, they obviously the business schools are looking for uh, future leaders and and uh, decision makers and and, you know, analytical tool users. Um, mm -hmm. And they can judge your your skills in those areas in different ways. Um, you know, one of them is obviously your your past academic success, your your test right. scores um, are going to going to tell them a lot about your analytical abilities, um, but it doesn't tell them everything. Um, so they're also looking for leadership, um, and they're mm -hmm. looking to admit a diverse, quote unquote, diverse class, which is very broadly defined uh, in terms of diversity. <laughs> um, uh, to give you an example, uh, the uh, uh, Stanford has defined diversity in the following terms, work and life experiences, education, skills, interests, culture, so socioeconomic status, sexual orientation, gender identity, race, ethnicity, where and how you grew up, and other factors. So, so when they say diversity, wow. they mean diversity in a very, very broad way. And why do they want a diverse class? Because their, their kind of ruling principle is that we learn better when we're surrounded by people who are different by ourselves and they're trying to create leaders for organizations that are selling to the entire planet and selling to many different demographies and populations so they want uh, a class that looks like the world um, so that's that's the diversity angle and i think the storytelling is one of the most effective places for them to determine how different you are, how unique you are relative to other applicants. Um, and the key thing about like a Harvard and a Stanford, which is the top of the heap these days, um, is that they are actually giving you a space to tell an extended story. Stanford gives mm -hmm. you about 
700 words, 650 words for what matters most essay, and, and Harvard gives you about 900 words for its uh, is there anything else you would like us to know essay. So they're actually giving you the space to make the case why you are different from the other applicants, why you have the leadership traits that they're looking for, um, what makes you, you know, they. I could go into minute detail about, uh, I mean, for example, Harvard says, what are we looking for? A habit of leadership. Uh, analytical aptitude and appetite and engaged community citizenship. So three things. So a habit of mm -hmm. leadership is going to be conveyed through examples of leadership. Uh, analytical aptitude is going to be conveyed through test scores and GPA. And engaged community citizenship can be communicated through stories about your involvement in the world. So um, the essays tend to be a very good place to uh, present your case for why you would add something that no one else adds. Right. Yeah. And I mean, so are they, are they looking like, I mean, they have their mission statements, right? And I'm sure that that's like somewhat indicative, but are they looking for you to try and demonstrate like essentially you just said, Oh, well, that's what you should use the essay for when you're applying to Harvard, you should be using it to demonstrate this one thing. But is there like a way to kind of decipher that for all the other schools, right? Or for people that, you know, for the other, all the other schools that you didn't just mention, right? That you, that you already know because right. this is your job. Um, how are you going to, you know, as a student applying to like Duke or, you know, Northwestern or, or wherever else um, or Rice, right? Like, like how are you going to look at their website? and figure out sort of how to tailor your pitch, for lack of a better word? I, I think it's a great question. I mean, each of those schools that you named has their own um, angle of attack at the differentiation diversity question, or, or, or the values question, if you Who are you as a person? Why are you, why should we admit you? What do you bring that no one else brings? Um, mm -hmm. Each of them does it in a different way. Kellogg has a values um, essay. Duke has 25 random things. Uh, you know, that describe who you are. Uh, so they're, I think they're all roughly going after the same general uh, criteria, and that is demonstrated leadership. Um, I think they want, again, a, a set of life experiences that makes you relatively unique and differentiated from other applicants. And um, that's going to be true across the schools. I mean, it, it is the case that certain schools have maybe more of a team focus and, and a team spirit. You know, Duke, Duke, for example, uh, is an example of that. So you might want to demonstrate, you know, less kind of solo uh, hobbies and more more of a team orientation, more of a group orientation in in uh, for for essays for Duke. But I mean, generally yeah. speaking, every school wants to see leadership. They want to see analytical ability. Uh, they want to know what you bring that no one else brings. Um, and they, you know, they want to see, I'll call it character or, uh, I, I could call it, also call it texture, substance, something that shows that, that you have challenged yourself in life, that you've maybe learned something that you can contribute to others. Um, I think all the schools are looking for that. And, um, yes, your, your essay execution will vary from school to school in response to the specific prompt. but. Um, I don't think you would want to present a radically different persona to uh, to different schools, or that 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 any applicant would need to feel like 
they need to uh, start from square one in how they see themselves in order to get admitted right. to. I, I think the key thing is that the other schools besides Stanford, Harvard, and Chicago Booth are not giving you as much space to tell a story. So that's the biggest constraint is that how do you mm. tell a rich story about yourself when you've only got 500 words? That becomes the big challenge. So. Right. So then, I mean, how do you, let's say you're not applying to those three schools or you're applying to other schools, right? Um, how are you taking your story and kind of trying to distill it down to what is going to give you the best chance to be admitted or just like, you know, I mean, I think that there's obviously the path of like, what are you most passionate about? And you should just talk about that. Right. But if you're, you know, you've got kind of a different, a bunch of different angles, like maybe you volunteered some nonprofits, maybe you have done well in your career, but you've kind of done normal, like climbing the corporate ladder thing, like as, a, as opposed to, you know, I started a company and then sold it or something, something that would obviously be a really <laughs> obvious, like good topic. But it was just like, I went to work at Google and then I went to Amazon and like, you know, I got promotions and that's kind of like it. Um, and, you know, maybe you've got like some hobbies or some other things or some life lessons along the way. Like when you've got kind of like, I, I'm just trying to paint a picture of like a typical, like typical, sort of yeah. average applicant, right? Um, in my mind anyway, um, how would you, how would you try to like help them determine what to write about? That's the million dollar question. Um, so I think that's where, <laughs> a good, <laughs> that's where a good consultant, uh, can, can help so much because they've seen so many different consult, um, applicants. They can, uh, zero in immediately. I mean, I look at a resume and I see three or four things will jump out at me. I haven't seen that before, or that's a little bit different. Or maybe the three or four differentiators are uh, fairly common, but in combination, they're unique. You know, so sometimes people don't really have anything that's truly unique about them, to be honest with you. But their their differentiators in combination are unique. So I I mean, that's where I can help is say, look, I think these themes here, you know, you were raised in Borneo or, uh, you know, you love uh, your stamp collection or you know, um, you're a Seattle Seahawks fan in a big way. Um, you know, those can all be um, things that would differentiate you and, and, and reveal yourself to the admissions committee. Um, so I, I would pitch those to the client and say, you know, the things that stand out to me are X, Y, and Z. And maybe these things don't connect, but maybe they do. Um, and we, right. so over a series over a series of phone calls, we're kind of identifying those, um, uh, drilling down, trying to flesh out what the best differentiators are, um, and finding mm -hmm. out if they connect and maybe they connect to post MBA goals. And then you asked, how do you distill that? Well, um, it's hard. Uh, you know, if they give you 500 mm -hmm. words, it's difficult, but, um, typically an approach would be something chronological. Or, um, you know, I don't want to say an autobiography because you don't want to do that, but um, something that is structured around the chronology of your life experiences is, is, is going to be a fairly standard way to, to try to present your, your differentiators. Right. And you mentioned something, I mean, um, 
you know, to kind of, to not just drill on the essay so hard and like kind of bring it back to the general topic of what admissions offices are looking for. Um, you mentioned something that I thought was interesting, which is post MBA goals, right? And there's this sort of idea of kind of like, you know, the MBA more than even an undergraduate college degree is very aware of its place as a step in your career, right? I don't think they have illusions about that. Yeah. So how do you feel like, you know, what what do you feel like admissions officers are looking for in your early career to kind of indicate that you're going to, you know, go on from the college and do great things? And then also, you know, how much do you want to lean into what your post-MBA plan is in your application? Uh, very great, great questions. Um, um, you know, I think they look for evidence, data, data points of fast track uh, relative performance to your peers. And in fact, in their recommendation letters, they ask specifically, uh, please discuss the applicant's uh, strengths uh, or performance relative to peers. So there's a huge comparative piece there. And so I tell my clients every single data point that you can think of uh, that would show that you have been given more responsibility or are trusted or are outperforming, uh, you should share that in some way with the admissions committee. And that's going to be um, a way to for them to gauge that you have you know the right stuff. Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, the elephant in the room is leadership. So if you have leadership, mm -hmm. formal or informal, indirect, whatever, whatever kind of leadership, even managing up or, you know, taking initiative or innovating on a project, that's gold. And you want to be you want to be presenting that to the admissions committee uh, in your essays, in your recommendation letters across the application. Um, and I think your second question, could you remind me <laughs> what your second question is? Yeah, um, how you know how much you want to talk about your post MBA oh, goals and yeah. application and, or tie it to that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think you know the the goals. Some people know what they want to do post MBA. Most people do not. Um, so the schools will say, just give us directionality. Show that you've you've thought you've begun to thought through the process. Think through the process of of knowing where you're going. Um, you know, maybe. Maybe your entire career up to business school is simply eliminating the things that you don't love. Uh, that's fine. Um, but hopefully there's an upward uh, trend in terms of responsibility and success and leadership. And so tell the schools, I think I would, I mean, there's a school, MIT Sloan, that does not want to know your goals because to, to them, that's not a data point. That's not evidence. Um, that's, that mm -hmm. could be bullshit. Um, so, so they want to know, you know, how have you led? Give us examples of leadership and, and your, your traits and things like that. But for most schools, I think the goals can be a way of showing, uh, of connecting your need for the MBA with your differentiators uh, as a person. In other words, maybe there's something you want to do post-MBA that, that relates back to the passions that drive you. And uh, right. maybe only indirectly. Uh, or maybe they, they connect back to your community experiences. Um, and that can be useful. It can be a way of sort of showing uh, continuity or direction uh, or, or connectedness between the life you've led and the life you want to lead in the future. Um, I mean, 
most schools do ask for goals. So you have to, on some level, you have right. to talk about them. And I, I break it into short-term, long-term. I say, you know, the long-term is the change the world stuff. The short-term is how are we going to place you? You know, practical, pragmatic, are we going to place you? How does, you know, what are the short-term stepping stones to your long-term goal? Uh, and I do right. like a plan A, pl plan A, plan B. You know, like what is your your main uh, plan of attack? What is your backup in case that doesn't work out? Right. Yeah, and I think that that, um, I mean, I personally, if I were an admissions officer, I'd want to know about the goals, not as a data point, but instead to just kind of get a sense for you more as a person, right? Like, because I feel like there's just very different people where it's like my goal is to, you know, like make more money and get a promotion or, you know, my right. goal is to start a company or my goal is to like eventually become a professor. Like, I don't know, there's just like a lot of, uh, I think there's a lot of insight there, but you know. MIT yeah. uh, knows what they're doing too, so right. I'm sure they're happy yeah. I with mean, their approach. I mean, it's a bit of a cliche that the goals that applicants state in their in their applications and what they wind up doing are often in great disconnect. So, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. there are the there are the, the the aspirational things you want to do when you're thinking about business school, and then when when the uh, you know metal hits the road after after business school. Uh, you know, things become a, a bit different sometimes, often. So, um, but nevertheless, I think uh, goals can be a way. I use goals, if for no other reason, to show that you are able to think about uh, the practical applications of an MBA. You know, that you know, mm -hmm. you know, basically what the a certain industry space is, what its dynamics are, um, and. Uh, you've thought about that and you, you, you know, the, you can talk about it. The other thing I do is I use it as, as a way to, like I said, to underscore your, what's unique about you. So. Yeah. So then the, you mentioned a couple of times, and I feel like this is a good thing to kind of, uh, to close on here, um, that the elephant in the room is showing leadership. Right. And that's something you've said a few times and you said it's sort of a top priority thing across almost anywhere that you're applying to. Um, and so if you're thinking about an MBA in the future, I, I feel like there's almost like two ways to attack this question. So maybe we do it both ways. But the first is like, how can you, if you're a few years out, you know, build leadership into your resume intentionally? And then the second is, let's say you're like six months out from applying and it's not like you can change a ton, you know, what can you do to kind of highlight the leadership that you did have in the past, right? So I don't know which one of those you want to tackle first, but. I'll do the first one first. I, I mean, I feel like uh, obviously the smart applicant is going to start thinking about uh, business school years ahead. And, uh, you know, we do that. And I would say we do that increasingly where we're talking to someone who's maybe two, three years out. And um, I can give you very prioritized, specific uh, action action items for how you can strengthen your application uh, and the leadership piece. And uh, community leadership, I mean, most people do not have control over how much leadership they're going to get at work. So uh, that's where the community uh, role can be huge. Um, and, you know, obviously, the earlier you get started in a community role, the more traction and substance and impact there's going to be three years down the road. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I could tell you stories about applicants who started at 16 and they started their own nonprofit. These are rare people, but, um, you know, after five years, it's something beautiful. 
Um, and, you know, I mean, even at work, you may not have control over the specific responsibilities of your day job, but you could do something like a diversity council for, for a lot of organizations. There's some way to contribute to the, to the corporate community um, uh, in, in some way. And that, that could be something that you drive, you know. So I, I, I think that if you're six months out, yes, there's less time. But even there, I would say, if you don't have a community role, go get one. And then a lot of people will say, well, yeah, but the schools will see right through that. They'll know that I did that to get into business school. And I said, yes, they, they probably will think that. But at the end of the day, what they care about is what did you do, not why did you do it? So um, I say six months out, get the board role, get the junior board role and try to drive mm-hmm. something. Well, I mean, even if you are getting something six months out, right, that's better than nothing. Exactly. Um, but I also think, I mean, the other the other kind of general thrust of my of that question was also to say, like, how can you kind of look at what you've already done to, like, find sort of the how it can be portrayed as leadership? Right. Um, and it's not it's not exactly like changing your resume or, or or anything like that. It's more just like you probably have taken more leadership than you realize. And sort of how do you look for that? Absolutely. Well, our, our questionnaires, uh, we, any, any new client of ours gets a questionnaire that's got a lot of annoying questions. And uh, often those questions are around uh, leadership. Um, and like literally anything you've done in your life, uh, academically, extracurricularly, uh, professionally, even in your family, that involved guiding a group of other people towards some goal. I mean, I guess that's leadership in the broadest definition, right, is uh, coordinating people towards some objective. Um, And most people have it in some, if they don't, it's a disaster, right? I mean, if you don't have any leadership, it's over. Um, So that's what you're looking for. And um, most people have it in some way. And of course, most people since college or high school even have been uh, type A personalities, you know, they've been, they've been racking up the leadership. So there's usually something there. But um, I mean, one thing I do, I would get granular and say, look, I see you've done a lot of one-on-one um, mentoring, and that's fantastic. You know, I salute you, mm-hmm. but one-on-one is not the same as driving a team of 10. Um, and, you know, again, I mentioned different definitions of leadership, like managing up. You can talk about your ability to to lead your your supervisors, if you will. You know, uh, you can talk about uh, even entrepreneurship. Solo entrepreneurship can be leadership. So, lots of different flavors. Right. Yeah, and it seems like um, even like within your job, you probably can pick out something where like you were in charge of a project or you were in charge of managing clients or something, right? Um, there's, you know, Hopefully. like assuming <laughs> that you didn't stay in entry level positions the entire time, like you probably have had at least some leadership to lean on. Hopefully, if you haven't, then maybe you shouldn't be thinking about a top ten business school. I mean, um, if, if your only leadership is, um, you know, modeling some discount cash flow um, analysis with another analyst, and and you convince them to do it a certain way, and that's all you've got then there's a you've got there's a problem there you know i mean um so that's where starting earlier 
And that's where the extracurriculars can be so huge is that um, you don't have control sometimes over what you do in your day job. So the community stuff can give you that leadership. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, um, as we kind of wrap up on this topic, is there anything else that you feel like we should be talking about here when we're talking about, you know, how to improve your application to an MBA school and really to give admissions officers what they want? I would just say take risks. Um, I feel like, you know, if there's a tendency, I mean, I, the MBA is basically, you could say is a risk aversion degree. It's a way of ensuring your success professionally without having to go out and start Microsoft. You know, I mean, you're looking for, you're looking for a way to succeed, uh, to manage the risk towards success. Um, and a lot of people who apply to business schools have, you know, obviously banking backgrounds or consulting backgrounds or engineering or tech backgrounds. They haven't taken, a lot of people have not taken significant risk. They've been trying to succeed along the designated path. But if you can be someone who shows that you've taken risk, it doesn't have to be starting a company, but but any kind of risk, uh, the schools will love that. They will love that. And uh, so I would encourage anyone three, four, five years out to to, to take risks. Uh, another thing that's always of value to the business schools is showing principles, showing ethics. Uh, um, they love they love that. So if you can look for ways to demonstrate integrity, um, that's that's a wonderful thing to do. And the final bucket, of course, is any kind of social impact. Um, uh, mm -hmm. This is this is huge. Um, so this is why the community come in comes in. They want to see people who are not just trying to get the degree to make money, but maybe make things a little bit better. So uh, you should be thinking in terms of how you can demonstrate social impact. Fantastic. Thank you so much. This has been GRE Snacks, hosted by Tyler from Achievable with Paul Bodine from Admitify. And Achievable has a great online GRE course you can try for free at achievable.me and use the code podcast to get 10% off at checkout.